Welcome back to another episode of Ramiumptum Ruminations. I'm the host, Scott. Today's episode is called Question Marks and Exclamation Marks. Thanks for coming back to listen to another episode of the podcast. I had announced last week or the week before that I was going to be presenting at the Thrive here in Portland, Oregon, and I had a blast there. So much fun. Met some really cool people. David Bakavoy was one of the presenters, so I got to meet him. Unfortunately, I actually had to leave before he presented. We have little kids at home and I left my wife with all three of the children after, you know, four or five hours had passed. I just, I, I felt bad leaving her alone. And so I, I actually took off before uh, David Bakavoy presented. I felt really sad about that, but I think I did the right thing. I thought there was going to be a way for me to record the presentation, but unfortunately the sound in the room was, was too echoey and it just, it wasn't going to be uh, quality audio. So I decided against it. I still have all my notes and even the, the PowerPoint slide that I used. <laughs> the, speaking of the PowerPoint, uh, the lighting, there was too many windows and there was no way to block them in the in the hall that we were in. And so um, <laughs> the uh, the audience actually couldn't see my slides real well. I don't go off of like detailed notes when I present or even when I record these, I basically write bullet points of what I want to say. Um, And so I I didn't have anything other than my slides. So I I had them up there. Nobody could see them but me because I was looking at my computer. Some of what I said there overlaps with some of the discussions we had back in December of 2021 when we were talking about the dichotomy of control and relationships with families. But there were a couple of there were a couple of points that I made there that I didn't make in those previous episodes. So at some point in the future, I will dive back into it, into that subject, and uh, do an episode about something that's really important. In fact, I as I'm sitting here talking about it, I, I have the strong urge to just jump into that subject instead of what I've prepared. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to resist. So here we go. There was a devotional for all of the European countries with President Nelson and Elder Bednar and their wives. Um, So I'm going to go over the transcript of that, talk about some of the some of the things that uh, stood out to me from that devotional. And Sister Nelson came out with a podcast on the church's podcast comes from the church newsroom podcast where she was interviewed this week and talked about um, a a number of things as always a little good a little bad and a little in between so we're going to chat about that for a minute but before i get too far into it before i start in that subject i haven't talked about it a ton on the podcast yet but i am very nerdy in my personal life I watch tons of movies, tons of shows, read comics, play games, anything you can think of that would be a nerdy hobby, I probably do it. 
or I've probably done it at least once or twice. Now this this last week, my friend and I, we went to the movies to see an anime from one of our favorite directors. His name is Mamoru Hosoda, and the movie that came out is called Bell. If you haven't seen anything by him, he's fantastic. Basically, anything he does is just incredible. After watching that with my friend, I was reminded of the movie Wolf Children came out back in 2012. Now I know this genre is probably not for everybody, but this movie in particular, I think I'll do an episode down the road about it, but it's it's a fascinating story about a young mother raising two kids who are werewolves. They're her wolf children. The pacing is very strange. Most of these movies by Hosoda are, they don't play out how you would expect. We're going into them usually about the halfway mark. It takes a different direction than what I would have anticipated um, from a traditional movie. Anyway, this young mother is raising her kids as best as she can, but there comes a point where both of the children have to decide which world they want to live in, the wolf world or the human one. I went and, and bought it and rewatched it with my wife. That's a whole story. It, I, <laughs> I tried to rent it, but it wasn't available to rent anywhere. And uh, yeah, that was, I spent like an hour searching. So then I ultimately just bought the movie. <laughs> so if me talking about this makes you want to go and get it, it's really hard to find. And I apologize for making a recommendation that, that might be difficult to come by. Regardless, the main point of the story is that these children have two natures and a wolf nature and a human nature, and they are trying to figure out which one resonates more with them. Now, when I watched this back in 2012, when it first came out, it, uh, I had not deconstructed religion, and so I didn't look at it through the same lens that I see everything now. But as I was watching it this time, it made me think a lot of my own family and how my wife and I hold dramatically different viewpoints on the world and our children are getting pulled in these different directions. So as I watch this movie, these parallels about a mixed faith marriage and raising kids in a mixed faith household really resonated with me because ultimately in the story, the children have to choose for themselves and then the mother can't control what the children choose. And it's, it's a beautiful story. Absolutely beautiful. Most of his movies, I watch them and then I think about them for weeks and weeks and weeks later. As I said, the, uh, the one that just came out that I saw with my friend in theater was called Belle. Um, I don't know that it's still out for those that might be interested in watching it. But if you, if you can't find wolf children, I do recommend looking up a movie called Mirai from the Future. And that one also, fantastic movie. Um, and that one I think is on Netflix. <laughs> the last time I made a show recommendation and talked about its parallels, I got a lot of feedback and a lot of people reached out and really enjoyed that. So I figured I'd do it again. And if that's something that you guys enjoy, or if that's something you guys want me to do more often, I can dedicate whole episodes to talking about some of my, some of the shows that I'm watching and how they might relate to religion. 
after deconstructing, my whole spirituality is connecting with other human beings. And that's where I feel this spirituality, if you will. I know it's a charged term and a lot of people don't like it. it for me, it works as a descriptor of the emotional connection I feel to the human race. And stories are one of the ways that I connect the most with other people. I've <laughs> I've been been rambling. So let's uh let's jump into this one. If you're interested in those movies, shoot me a message. I can I can tell you where to look for them. The director is Mamoru Hosoda. They're anime, so they're cartoons. They might not be for everyone, and I recognize that, but they're absolutely beautiful. Anyway, so just this last week, there was a devotional for all of the European nations and the members of the church from those nations. There were a couple of interesting things said in this devotional, and I wanted to cover a couple of the things because I thought, I think it's fascinating, and it brings to mind the quote from Shakespeare, uh, specifically from Hamlet. The line is uh, spoken by Queen Gertrude, and she says, um, the lady doth protest too much, methinks. She's saying this to a character that's kind of overreacting. The way, the way people understand or interpret this phrase now is, is when someone is saying something over and over and over, it usually indicates either a problem or a lie or just something that they're not saying that would be the motivation for them to keep doing this thing over and over. Throughout most of the devotional, they, they talked about the restoration and the truth claims of the gospel. There were a couple of phrases that, that stood out to me. Here's, here's what President Nelson said. Having questions does not mean that you don't have a testimony. If you know that Jesus is the Christ and that his gospel has been restored, that the Book of Mormon is the word of God and that prophets walk the earth today, you have a testimony. Your continued study and searching will bless you over time with increased understanding. Uh, a little bit later in the talk, he says, stay focused on what you do know. Listen to sources you can trust. Seek for answers to your questions through prayer, searching the scriptures, and studying the words of prophets, seers, and revelators. This subject of trusted sources, anti-Mormon propaganda, or anti-Mormon materials, it's a tool used in the church to limit access to information to the membership, discouraging them from actively seeking to learn more. And it's how the church has controlled the narrative of church history for a long time. I'm not going to harp on all these things. You know, we, we've talked about it on multiple occasions, many other podcasts, the reason, you know, the, the internet coming out, easy access to history books and the church has less access over what members can and can't read than they used to. And so the only thing they can do is discourage members from listening to anyone outside of the church. What I want to think about today a little bit is this. One of the, one of the important things that I think is a little bit different and maybe indicates a slow shift in the, in the messaging, but he says that you can have questions and also have a testimony. 
my understanding from what he said here is that members don't have to have a perfect understanding in order to believe everything. He appears to be encouraging the members to study and learn when they have questions. But as I said in the the second part of this, he discourages them from seeking He limits them from what sources they can and can't read or learn from in order to find out, find answers to these questions. At this fireside, uh, Elder Bednar also spoke, but I didn't really have much to say about his remarks. I actually wanted to jump down to what Sister Nelson said. And this one, there's other people that have commented on this, but I, I wanted to throw in my two cents on this subject as well. So I'll read quickly what she said. And, uh, I think it might have some uncomfortable applications for the church. So here's, here's, uh, (laughs) here's what she said. How can we protect ourselves amid the war of words that rages all around us? I suggest we compare anything and everything we read, view or hear with the teachings of the prophets. If it isn't in harmony, we should run away. Prophets testify of Christ. Their sole desire is to help us find and stay on the covenant path that leads back to him and our heavenly father. When I, when I hear that, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is that there isn't univocality in among the prophets of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And what I mean by the word univocality is there is not one consistent message shared by all of the prophets. Every prophet has said, has had a different agenda, has had different ideas and understandings, and oftentimes has made changes or retconned some of the things that previous prophets have said or taught. So since there is no univocality within Mormonism, or any scripture for that matter, (laughs) this suggestion to compare things to the words of the prophets, it doesn't hold up because you can't even compare the words of the prophets to each other because they contradict each other. I could go into a number of examples on, you know, just, I'll just say Adam God beliefs about, um, the priesthood ban beliefs about polygamy. You, You could choose really any, any concept within the church that has changed and you find quotes from prophets before that say it will never change and that this is what God wants. And then prophets from after that will basically say, we don't know why that was practiced, but we don't do it anymore. And so there's this, there's this contradiction between even prophets of the church. So this idea of comparing everything we learn and everything we hear to their words it doesn't work because their own words contradict each other. Even the use of the name Mormon, that's a real recent example of one prophet saying that it's great and that we need to embrace it and be okay with it. And then President Nelson saying that it's a victory for Satan. I think it's okay for them to want to be called by the full name of the church. And I've said that on, on a few occasions, where if this is what they're asking other people to call them, I think for me, I think it's okay to respect that. 
but I don't have to agree with the reasoning. So that was that was her first suggestion. Her first suggestion was to compare everything we learn with the words of the prophets. <laughs> There's some fun ones. There's a you know a, a number of anti-evolution and anti-science quotes that you could compare to science books. We could look at. And I'll just do two. I could I could cite a bunch of these, but um, in the Journal of Discourses, Volume 14, um, page 116, for those that have it, Brigham Young says. In these respects, we differ from the Christian world, for our religion will not clash with or contradict the facts of science in any particular. I could cite a number of different prophets, and actually this one's an apostle, but uh, it's Bruce R. McConkie from the book Mormon Doctrine, page 185 in my copy. It says, There is no harmony between the truths of revealed religion and the theories of organic evolution so the so <laughs> we should uh we should compare our textbooks and the vast amounts of evidence for evolution with the words of the prophets here and see which one holds up so i don't want to just go on and on and just read the the worst quotes that i can find from prophets on you know a variety of subjects but but you get the idea there are a number of areas where the leaders of the church have openly disagreed with proven science. So I just think there's, there's a lot of irony with Sister Nelson's recommendation here to compare the, what we learn and hear and read with the words of the prophets. This sort of a recommendation is a recipe for disaster. If someone were to take proven science and compare it with the words of the prophets, the words of the prophets come up short. Anyway, I've dwelt, I've dwelt on, uh, on this subject for longer than I anticipated. So let's keep here and let's keep talking about what uh, Sister Nelson said. She was talking about New Year's resolutions, and she recommended that the saints in Europe for 30 days when they hear a statement from a prophet, she recommended that they put an exclamation mark afterward. And anything that came from someone else or an outside source, not part of the church, to put a question mark after it. <laughs> it's almost laughable how blatant the information control is in a sentiment like this. But as I, as I try and think back to my perspective as a young adult, as a kid, teenager, whatever the age was, I knew what things I should look at and should read and shouldn't. I had heard stories of a friend of mine whose father left the church because he read anti-Mormon material. I knew as a kid that listening to outside sources was dangerous. But I could never really pinpoint how I knew that outside of just like the cultural milieu of being a part of the church. But it's interesting because we see it happening right here in this devotional. We have the leaders of the church clearly delineating what the members can and cannot read and what they should and should not trust. 
it's it's really heavy-handed. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. What motive would someone have to control the narrative like this? Let me let me rephrase that. I often try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And this is what I'm trying to do right here. I'm trying to think of a good motivation for this sort of encouragement. And I think that from their perspective, if we're going to say that they're believers, learning about the uncomfortable history of the church will lead people to lose their eternal salvation. Maybe their motive here is to save souls by lying for the Lord. That's the best good motivation I could come up with. Um, maybe a listener out there can think of something, another motivation or another reason that might be better than what I just said. Reach out to me, start the conversation. I look at the perspectives of other people and I try and look at them both from a good point of view and a bad point of view. And we could say, it, let's say that they're the most nefarious people in the world and they're trying, their motive is to control as many people as they can and, and grow the church and make as much money as they can. So that, that, you know, on the other side of the spectrum would be like a bad motivation for information control. I don't think most people in this world are just pure evil. I think people justify themselves into bad decisions. And that seems more likely to me than nefarious leaders of the church. Again, this is all conjecture. I do not know because I don't have personal connections or conversations with these men. <clears throat> anyway, I gotta keep, <laughs> I gotta keep, keep talking. I'm, I'm getting more sidetracked than I expected. So, uh, Sister Nelson made this recommendation to replace the uh, exclamation marks and uh, to put exclamation marks after the prophet's words and question marks after everybody else. I typically typically associate exclamation marks with like shouting. And my first thought was just kind of like, oh, so we're supposed to look at all the prophets as if they're shouting at us. They're like shouting their beliefs from the rooftops. <laughs> I think it's more uh, delineating what members can and can't trust. I think that it's pretty clear that that's what's happening. Now, she recommended that the saints do this for 30 days. And she said she made some promises or well, I'll just read it. She said some things that might happen to a person that follows through with this. You may notice a decrease in the amount of stress you feel as you're able to see through the false philosophies of men that produce a kind of tension and anxiety that can almost immobilize us. What would happen to your level of peace, clarity of thinking, joy, experience of love, and spiritual prosperity if, for 30 days, you started to question everything the world's media and all other sources offer you, and instead prayerfully studied, fully embraced, and lived by every prophetic teaching you could find. What would happen in only 30 days if you chose to follow the prophets with exactness? Coming fresh off of a couple of weeks where I discussed faith and doubt, I have no problem with a person who learns the theologies of the Mormon faith and decides to follow them, decides to believe in them. That's fine. This, this 
concept of information control is so damaging. I think it's healthy to question everything we learn. If something doesn't sit right with you, think about it, research it, study it. Don't limit yourself on sources. In the times where I have changed my opinion dramatically, I didn't change my opinion on my own. It was often through discussions with other people, be that through you know actual discussions or reading books or learning about the lived experiences of other people. If I disagree with someone because I hold a belief or a thought one way or the other, how would I ever know that I'm wrong if I didn't listen to what someone who disagrees with me has to say? Or on the flip side, how could I ever truly know that I'm right if I haven't looked at it from all angles and listened to what someone else has to say and then determined if their justifications and logic or reasoning is, is accurate or if the evidence still points this way or that. Like, You can't fully come to a good understanding without an open dialogue with people that disagree with you. It doesn't have to be heated. But I, this, this idea of discouraging dialogue with someone that disagrees with you is just, it's so harmful, so harmful. <laughs> Not everybody's going to be able to talk openly like that. And it's hard. It's hard to listen to someone who does not think the same way you do, but it's healthy to be able to step back and think objectively about your own ideas and thoughts. And frankly, that's what led most of us into this position where we find ourselves having deconstructed religion and standing on the other side of things. It's because we did take a moment to contemplate what we believed and if what we believed held up to any sort of scrutiny. And that is precisely the reason that they do not want people to look into other sources about the church. It's because the truth claims very rarely hold up to any real scrutiny. That does not mean that the church can't be true. That just means that the way it's been presented is not an accurate depiction of real events, real history, and real ideas. If the organization wants to become healthy, it has to accept its mistakes, apologize, and be okay with being imperfect and being wrong occasionally. There's nothing in our lives that we shouldn't scrutinize, think critically about. Not a single thing. There's that, uh, that famous quote from Socrates. The unexamined life is not worth living. This type of information control is recommending people to live an unexamined life. Again, I'm going to say, because I say this every time, that does not mean that someone who examined these, examines these things has to leave the church or has to follow the route of becoming an atheist or an agnostic or Wiccan, whatever it is. It just means that everyone 
should examine their beliefs and think critically about them and decide for themselves if they still want to believe in them or not. Now, there's, there's one last thing that I wanted to chat about today. Uh, there was a podcast, I, I said, from the Mormon Church Newsroom. The, uh, the host, Sarah Jane Weaver, she's interviewing Sister Nelson and asking her a number of questions. It was, it was an hour long. I played it at times two speed because just tried to get through the thing. <laughs> but uh, that's actually how I listen to most things. Uh, times one and a half or times two. There were a couple of things that she said that, that stood out to me. Um, one of the things in this interview, I just thought it was interesting and uh, maybe a little self-absorbed. Apparently, there was a change made to new the new temple dedication process where there is a video that President Nelson recorded that's to be played at every single temple dedication. And my first thought was like, well, what happens when he passes away? Or is the next prophet going to record a new video? Or are they going to keep this old video of President Nelson? Like, is this, <laughs> what's, what's the plan for this sort of a, of a change? But I, I just thought it was interesting more than, more than actually criticizing it. It's a, it's a worldwide organization and expecting the prophet to go all across the world to see every temple dedication. Maybe that's uh, a little much to ask for a nonagenarian. Maybe leading a church is a little much to ask for a nonagenarian. This was a long, uh, a long uh, interview and is mostly just um, a bit of hero worship of the prophet and then her talking about their lives together. There was one part that I found ironic, like deeply ironic. And so the, uh, the irony of this, she's talking to this podcaster and they're bringing up this discussion that they had in the European devotional that we've been discussing. <clears throat> in her talk, and I didn't cite it, but in her talk, she refers to the story of the emperor's new clothes. And uh, for those that are unfamiliar with it, emperor is basically, basically walking around town naked all of his, all of the people in town are telling him that, oh, his clothes look fancy and they're, they're great. And then it's a little boy or a little child. It's like, wait, why is the king naked? And then the king finds out that everybody has been lying to him. <laughs> Sister Nelson here is talking about gaslighting. The great irony of all of this is the amount of gaslighting that the church has done to its members is incredible. But then here they are talking about gaslighting. The interviewer asks her about this analogy that she was making about the emperor's new clothes and gaslighting. And here's what she says. The podcaster, uh, Sarah Weaver, asks, Are you willing to share that story again with our listeners today and then explain why this topic matters to you? And Sister Nelson says, Of course. Well, the, the literary folktale, The Emperor's New Clothes, by Danish author Hans Christian Andersen, and in that, swindlers convinced the emperor that the new attire they made for him is of the most exquisite material, patterns, and colors. They emphasized that anyone who cannot see the extraordinary clothing is unworthy of his office or simply stupid. Everyone in the tale is duped by the charlatans. Even the emperor's most trusted officials 
All the townspeople join in the chorus, telling the emperor how magnificent he looks as he proudly parades in front of them. However, one child boldly proclaims, the emperor has no clothes on. And that was the truth. So when we're looking for truth, it can be tricky because so many people are touting their ideas as truth. And a whole lot of people are definitely seeking truth. The great irony, and I wanted to juxtapose that with her previous quote, the great irony is that when an organization tries to control what its members can and can't learn and the access to the information that these members has, they're doing precisely what the charlatans in the story of the emperor's new clothes were doing. The church has no clothes on, but the leaders are the ones telling everyone that it does by mythologizing church history, imposing a univocality on the doctrine and the prophets when it's really not there. This parallel between their attempts to control the information and the very story that she told was just beautifully ironic to me. That's all I got for today. <laughs> Thanks for coming back to listen once again to the podcast. If this is content that you enjoy, you like listening to me talk your ear off while you're driving on the road or doing the dishes, whatever, then please like and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends. I hope that you all have an excellent day.